welcome to episode 23, Parent-Child Relating Through the Process. This actually is a continuation of episode one, where I spoke with Laura about her son's upcoming process, which it was at that time. Today, you will listen as I sat down with both Laura and her son, Andrew, about their journey through this process together. I think you will find it enlightening. I think it really puts into words the nuances of the parent-child dynamic as you walk through the different stages of the auditioning for college program process with your child. Uh, It really emphasizes the importance of communication. We talk through their decision-making on utilizing coaching, um, senior year commitments, the waiting process, and the word resonate comes up quite a bit, and you'll see how important that is as it relates to this process for your child. Andrew refers to the mental game in this process and how he feels like it's the biggest part of it. I would agree. I think that the emotional and mental dimensions of this process are really huge. And we touch on how COVID influenced his particular process. November 2nd today. So um, if you have a student who will be going through the application and audition process this year, you are ramping up on this. You're probably already quite deep into it. So as always, I'm just really happy to be able to bring you some transparency, clarity, and more knowing about this process. Please follow my podcast if you want to get updates on when I post a new episode. I'd really appreciate that. And any comments, likes, or dislikes, I would love to hear both. You can always reach me directly. You can message me from my Processing the Process Instagram or Facebook page. All right. Enjoy this episode. We are here with Andrew and Laura Fleming. I did a previous episode with just Laura looking ahead, and now we're going to look back. And I think this is super beneficial for people to be able to get the full circle. Awesome. So welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited. Cool. <laughs> okay, so let's just start with um, how old are you? I'm 18. When did you know that you wanted to actually go through this process? When were you locked in? I'd always been like, there's nothing else that I want to do besides perform, but I had never known that it was like a possibility to do it. It was... Definitely something that I have always known that I wanted to do. And then I think it, towards the end of middle school was when like I saw one of my sister's friends go through the process. And I was like, wow, this is crazy and interesting and weird. And 
this might be something that I want to do. And then sort of through high school, it started, you know, manifesting and ended up, I knew that I wanted to do it basically through all of high school, through college and beyond. Like I knew that there were career paths, but I was always, there's always that gray area where you're like, can I do this in college? Like, is this a thing? And then when I found out that it was actually a feasible option, I saw some other friends go through it and it was something that I was like, yeah, this is really what I want to do because I knew that, you know, going to college is such a fun experience and going to college for what I want to do with the rest of my life and what I love to do. That's like the best of every single world. So I, upon seeing a couple of friends do it, I was like, yeah, this is totally what so I this, need to do. Was this like before you got to high school? Yeah, definitely. It was. I remember you, Laura, saying at one point you had a conversation with him about once he was already locked in about just because yeah. you have like kind of said it out loud and set this path for yourself, mm-hmm. you can do other things. Right. And was that ever a consideration? Um, no. And I say that because my mom did an amazing job of making sure that this wasn't something that I was sort of brashly rushing into. And she made sure to get a read for herself and allow me to have that thought in my head of, is this really what I want to do or am I just acting in the moment? We had a conversation where she was talking about like, oh, you know, you'd be a great doctor. Like you would be an amazing person to interact with people. And there was this moment when I just said, stop, like this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. There's nothing else that I want to do. And I know wholeheartedly that this is where my life is taking me. And instantly she knew that this was my future and this was what I needed to do. And this is what I wanted to do. And having that moment between us, it helped our mindsets and let each other know that we're there for each other to lean on. And she's in it wholeheartedly as much as I'm in it wholeheartedly. So that was definitely something that was amazing to have that conversation because I knew even before going into the whole crazy world of auditioning that I had a great support system that was there for me 100% and wanted me to succeed as much as I wanted and knew that I needed to succeed because I, it was all I wanted to do. So you didn't take defense to that? Of course, it, like I probably did at <laughs> some point, and it kind of gets to that point where you know you have to be defensive because... If you know that it's what you want to do, then you have to be willing to fight for it and you have to be willing to have those conversations and say, nope, this is it. This is all I want to do. Take it or leave it. You know, I'll do it on my own or I'll do it with your support, but either way I'm doing it. So I did get a little bit defensive, but I think getting defensive helped us work more collaboratively because we knew where each other stood and we didn't have any, you know qualms about anything that we were doing so what would the two of you kind of say together about to other parents with their with their child on like approaching that conversation Mm -hmm. so it wasn't one conversation right so I my Andrew's dad and I are both you know professionals in a structured standard uh you know work environment we're guaranteed a paycheck every week that kind of thing and you know that feels very stable and secure for your for your children 
to want to go into and performing arts is different than that it is not quite so um, structured and organized right and it is hugely competitive obviously and so for us we just needed to know that this was truly what he was born to do because otherwise you shouldn't put yourself through it right unless it's truly truly what you want so it wasn't one conversation it was really many conversations but I remember the one Andrew's referring to like it was yesterday because that was the culmination of the conversations because that's when I knew that he had thought through all of it everything we had talked about he had been very receptive and I think it's important for for the for the student in this circumstance to be receptive to parents and their concerns and, and to know that it's coming from a place of love, which he knew it was for us. Um, and then he was finally able to say, no, there is nothing else I want to do. And that's when we knew. I would say the same, definitely. I mean, and it's a two-way street, you know, so there has to be that the parent has to go about it in a way that it's not obtrusive, but it can be prodding. And that I think having those uncomfortable moments where she was like, you know, you could be a doctor. It really helped cement in my mind. Like, no, that's, that's the complete opposite of what I want. Like, don't I even go there. Doctor. I said, you could be a she singing did. pediatrician. Singing pedi- I didn't say that. She did say singing you pediatrician. You could be a therapist. Right. You could be a singing right. therapist. <laughs> but I mean, I think having, yeah, I think she did it in a way that it got me to the point where I knew 100%. I was like, shut up. There's nothing else I want to do. Uh-huh. So I think... He said that lovingly. I did. I did. It's a two-lane It's a two lane road where I think the parent needs to come at it from a place of love and compassion first. Like, that's the complete first way that they need to go about it. But I think, I mean, in retrospect for me the uncomfortableness and the prodding ended up being one of the most beneficial things because it helped us reach that culmination where she knew 100% and I knew 100%, 120,000%, but it like it helped us reach that point. Communication in relationships in general is so important. Yeah. But I think in this process and in any college process, but because of the the inherent fear mm-hmm. of the stereotype that, you know, your child could not work for, mm-hmm. not work in your aspired industry right. for quite a long time is, you know, there's, there is fear attached to it. And I think that being, having those conversations is so important so that everybody does get locked in and that there is a grasp of the reality of this that it's not a fantasy Mm -hmm. it's not a i want to be on broadway right right and it is a little bit of that like there is a little bit (laughs) well i think every that's just an actor right exactly exactly (laughs) um and the satisfaction of knowing that you did a good job, like when the curtain comes down and the yeah. applause. I mean, there is some ego in that, yeah. but it goes so far mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah. Um, but 
considering the reality of what your life will look like mm-hmm. together it is a really key thing to do in this process, yeah. I think. Yeah. Another big question that was subject of discussion um, in the previous episode was coach or no coach. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about how you guys arrived at that. So I, and this is something that she's taught me, that she's smart enough to know what she doesn't know. And that's something that she instilled in me. And that's kind of how I went into the process. Like I was like, I'm smart enough to know that I am nowhere near prepared and that I cannot do this on my own. And it was not something that was an option for me because I knew that I was just not, you know, it's, there's so much and I need help. And I was like, I, you know, I need people that I can confide in. I need people that are professionals and that, you know, know what they're doing so they can help me kind of have a semblance of, oh, I know what I'm doing too once I get into that audition room. So I ended up, I worked with um, college audition coach, which is Mariana Denard or Moo, um, and Mark Christine, which is her vocal coach. And then I ended up working with a voice teacher in um, Ann Arbor, Nas Edwards, who was my technique technique coach and worked with me on my materials. And then I also worked with another um, teacher, Nick Cool, in Gross Point, who um, I ended up starting to work with. I've always worked with him, but um, going into the college process, he wasn't like one of my teachers that I went to every week. But once I got close to two auditions, I started asking him if we could have lessons just so I could get reps on my material and so I could, you know, have another person to bounce it off of. And, um, so I went in full coach. Like I mm-hmm. needed, I needed people to help me and give me guidance and advice. And that was something that worked for me. I have a friend who went in with no coach at all. She did it completely on her own and she ended up at a great school. Um, but it's just a difference of perspective. Like for me, I knew that I needed those people to help me get to where I wanted to go. But she had the self-starterness to say, you know, I think I can grasp this on my own and I can, you know, wrap my head around it quick enough to get to a place where I can feel confident knowing that I am going in doing it on my own. That was not how I went about it, but I mean, both options are viable. It's just how the student feels. Um, because for me, and I think she knew this too, because it was no <laughs> cheap feat right, to have a bunch of coaches. The investment. It did. It, it definitely brought up the investment, but, um, it ended up being an investment that I could not have survived or thrived in this process. Like I think I did without the help from those people. Um, because it just provided such clarity and such guidance in the scary world that is auditioning for college. So I, I wouldn't have changed the way that I went about coaching for anything because I think it was the most beneficial thing that I did. And Laura, what are your thoughts on it? So, you know, ultimately it's about confidence walking into the audition room. And because he needed it to build him and we could um, give him that support Um, we were willing to do it. Um, I think there are certainly ways to get 
all the information that he ultimately got on your own, but the coaches that he had were fantastic, and and he walked out of every audition saying, I left it all in the room. Mm-hmm. And whether that was the coaches or you know his preparedness or a combination of both, you can't ask for more. I think I started to realize this when I it was getting closer to auditions and you know instead of having that pit in my stomach and being so nervous and so anxious it was I felt excited and of course there were nerves but it was more like I knew that I wasn't going to go in there and do a bad job I was going to go in there and do what I could in that moment that was something that my teachers taught me that do your best at the time that you're in the room. There's nothing more and nothing less. And I knew that I was walking in the room doing something that I was going to be proud of because they helped me see that you can get to a place where you're going to be prepared enough that you're going to be proud no matter what and that you're going to walk out of the room saying, they don't like me and they don't like me because I know I'm putting my best foot forward. And so it was that that really showed me that the coaching and having people that knew what they were doing allowed me to get out of my own head and not be a giant bundle of nerves when walking into a room. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it, That's it, a it, huge accomplishment. It really is. Um, I know that Nas recommended that you, there was concern over your senior year right. and participating in not knowing that it was going to look like it has mm-hmm. with COVID. How did you reconcile that? Because I'm in competitive show choir at my high school. She recommended that I take time away from that so I can focus more on my auditions and applications and dial back so I could really focus. But that was a conversation that we had to have. And I told her that I'm going to make sacrifices and, you know, I'll miss a rehearsal. I will miss hanging out with my friends one day. Like, I will miss that so I can have time to work with you. And and that was something that she kind of changed her mindset with because she knew that I was committed no matter what. And telling her that I would make sacrifices so I could work at the level that she wanted me to work at was the way that she kind of allowed to herself to say like, oh, okay, like this is fine. And I surrounded myself with so many amazing experiences my senior year because I knew that I was budgeting my time in a way that would make me happy because I, and I've told this to every single person that I know who's going to audition, that you should never sacrifice your senior year for this process. The senior year is something that is so amazing and so fun and things that you'll never forget, you know, getting into college and going to school for what you love is so important, but it's not more important than living your life. At the end of the day, I did everything that I wanted to because I wanted to. And and I just had to say, I'm just as committed to the college audition process as I am having my senior year. So it's that it's the balance of the two, and it's all about knowing what you want, but you can never get that time back. You just have to go into it saying, I want to have the best senior year possible and I want to have the best audition process possible. And your teachers will work with you because they care about you. So it was just that conversation. And again, we're back to communication and conversations. (laughs) But I mean, it is, it's so important. And 
you just have to find teachers that will be as collaborative with you as they will, you know, expect greatness from you. Mm -hmm. That's a hard conversation to have. Yeah. And I mean, especially at the beginning of the college process, something that made me feel so much less overwhelmed. I knew that I was going into the process, not having it take over my life. And I knew that I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do and also succeed to the degree that I wanted to succeed because I had people who would work with me as much as I needed them to help me. This has come up on the podcast. Having somebody in your life Mm -hmm. that believes in you and supports you who isn't a family member. Right, yeah. Just what that gives you. Mm -hmm. And I found that completely with Nas. She brought me to a place that I didn't know I could go. She brought out a person that was confident in themselves and was proud of themselves no matter what and always put their heart out on the table. I walked in to have a lesson every week knowing that she was just going to help me be the best version of myself. You know, I couldn't ask for any more of that. And it's not a linear process. There were days where I would walk out and be like, ugh, I just was not great today. And there was times when it was emotional and because I felt like I wasn't doing good enough in quotes like I wasn't doing everything to my ability but in retrospect now it's part of the process and it's part of knowing that you're going to end up at a place that you'll be happy with your performances in whatever audition that you go to she gave me all the clarity that like my parents gave me but she also knew what she was doing and she knew how to help me be the best version of myself And that's the difference. I mean, as parents, we could never do that because we had no idea what this process was and what he was about to embark upon. And she did. And so she was, we were able to give him confidence in one part of his life, but she was able to give him confidence in that specific part of his life. Mm -hmm. But if I could just throw in here, you know, Andrew had to advocate for himself, not just with his coaches but also with you know, student government representatives and you know his show choir and the fall play, um, he had to be able to communicate also with you know everyone else where he was doing things mm-hmm. in his senior year and had responsibilities. So he had to manage his schedule really well and make sure everybody knew you know I'm not going to be here on this day because I've got this event. And everyone supported him because he was such a good communicator. Did you do that proactively? Yes. Like, yes. at the beginning of the year, did you go in and say, hey, look, I'm doing this process? Mm-hmm. Yes. and But there's only so much you can say proactively because people are going to forget. Saying, I'm going through this process, it's going to be hard, I'm going to have to sacrifice some things, can only go so far. But, you know, it's the constant reminders. Like, you have to keep telling people, like, I would have to tell my choir teacher, a couple days in advance, I have this voice lesson that I have to go to. I'm sorry, I will pick up on whatever I missed and I'll be ready for the next rehearsal, I promise. But I cannot be here. And it was not letting the fear of, oh, what if I get in trouble? What if they, you know, not letting that creep in because I was doing what I needed to do in telling them and reminding them and keeping them informed about what was happening Um, but you know, it's just, it's telling the people that you need to tell 
and reminding them of the commitment that you have. So. Yeah, I think as adults that we have to make room for these things mm-hmm. with kids. This is not a Broadway company right. that you're a part of. Right. It's, it's high school show choir. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and exactly. And it's because of that art that you were able to be a part of that not not solely because of that but you know that's part of your growing process Mm -hmm. and in even student government and any leadership positions that you're in I just feel like them giving you a hard time Mm -hmm. or making it not possible just does not align with what we want to give to our kids and our students yeah it's high school it's not some end-all be-all. At the end of the day, if a student is going about it in a way that is responsible, responsible, a teacher should be willing to work with a student for sure. And that's the key. If there's good communication and there's good reminders. Back to communication. Yep. Again. (laughs) And you never had, you never had a conflict. I mean, that's 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 the crazy part of it. Yeah. I mean, he never had a conflict we couldn't get around. And if there was one that, you know, felt where he was he was feeling like he would be leaving you know one team down to get to Ann Arbor for his voice lesson mm-hmm. he would do his lesson by zoom so he could do both so everyone i think appreciated how hard he was working to be responsible in the process and so everyone was willing to work with him mm-hmm. it's a give and take yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you were honoring your commitments yeah in a responsible way mhm how many schools did you apply to I applied to 12 schools. I ended up... That's very reasonable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two of them did not require pre-screens. I only applied to musical theater programs. I applied to one community college just in case I didn't get into any programs. And then one I didn't pass my pre-screen. And then one I just decided not to audition for in the end. Um, so I ended up auditioning for eight schools. Did you go on campus at all? I went to one on campus. I went to the University of Michigan. Um just because it's very close. I did Moonifieds in November in Dallas, Texas, and then I did Chicago Unifieds in February. February. <laughs> I didn't think going on campus provided a better, you know, chance of getting in or going to Unifieds was, you know, worsening your chances. It just felt right for my sake and I didn't want to n- be auditioning every weekend and flying out to places all across the country. expensive. Right, and I I didn't want to have to put my parents in a place where you have to sacrifice your weekend to come to, you know, all the places that I needed to go. It was something that helped me streamline that process also because I didn't feel like my brain was in 20,000 places. I felt like, here's a big beast that I need to take on, and then after it's done, it's done. And that was all one... Thing, and it was not just 4,000 different auditions, you know, scattered across my year. So having those big times when I knew I had to put my best foot forward allowed me to take a deep breath once in a while and be like, okay, I have two months until my next audition. Like, I will be okay. I can take a deep breath for right now. Did you feel like you were ready in November? Yes, because I started early and... um which is when? February of junior year. 
that's fantastic. That in right. and of itself takes a lot of stress away. Right. Of course, it's like, oh, November, that's so soon. Like, that's so crazy. But um, I knew that, and I knew that it was going to be an early process. So I budgeted my time in a way that I knew I was going to be ready by those early auditions. And of course, it's like, it's your first couple auditions. Scary. Like, there's, you know, got to shake off a little bit of the grease. But I felt like I was fully prepared by the time that I went in to Moonifieds in November. So after you finished with your auditions, where were you at with the decisions that needed to be made? So after Unifieds, I was supposed to have an on-campus audition at USC in California. I, at the end of Unifieds, I was done. It's been so emotionally taxing. Like, I just don't have it in me to get on a plane and go to California and do this audition. So that was the audition that I ended up canceling because USC was not a school that I really ended up seeing myself at. And I, it's expensive to Right, go. right. And it Do they only audition up, on campus or something? Yeah, because it wasn't a place that I really saw myself at. I was fine canceling my audition because I knew I could let it go and not be regretful about it. So... That was where I was towards the end of February. But then comes the waiting process, which is like a whole different, whole different thing that no one prepares you for. You know, the auditioning is fun. You know, you meet so many people and you see so many colleges and it's a culmination of all the work that you've been doing. Then you get to the point where you're sitting at home and you're like, okay, I'm done with everything. Now I just have to wait for them to email me. And so you're sitting there checking your phone every five minutes being like, ah, which is something that, you know, no one prepares you for because it's supposed to be the easy part. It ends up not being the easy part. It's the emotional roller coaster. It's the part. emotional roller coaster for sure. <laughs> that was the point in the process where I felt that I hit my lowest point because you get to that point where you get a rejection or two and you say, oh, I'm not getting in anywhere. Like, I'm not. Was your first response? My first response was a rejection because I auditioned at Moonifieds. Yes. And so I heard in like December. Um, That's hard to get a no yeah, first. Because I was always like, please, just the first one, yes. With right, all of them. Right. The first one hurt the most because it's that first time you're hearing yes or no and it's that first time that you're feeling like oh god like validated or not right right you're feeling validated or not and so it was hard to have a rejection first but it helped me sort of get in that emotional mindset that i needed to be for the rest of the year that you know it's not always going to work out in your favor and that's just something you have to be okay with because it's not up to you and you know, all you can do is do your best. And if the college resonates with that, then they resonate with it. And if they don't, then, you know, that's not your fault. Can you I know. put a pinpoint on that? Yeah. I, I love what he just said. You know, I either resonate with the college, college resonates with me or, or not. Mm -hmm. In other words, the rejection is not a rejection of who you are as an, as an artist. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a rejection of whether you fit what they need in that moment. And they fit what you need. Cause... And they fit what you need. And so I love that attitude because that is going to be the mindset for a lifetime mm -hmm. in this business. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you're not being personally rejected. It just wasn't a fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll skip over being in the audition room mm -hmm. and just how important that was to your 
feelings about a future with those schools. Yeah, because um, I've always known there's only so much you can read about, watch videos about, or look at a website about, or research a college about. There's only so much you can do. And that can only take me personally so far. For me, I needed that connection with people. And I needed that one-on-one interaction with them to see if, you know, I resonated with that. And that was something that was so much more valuable to me than any research I did. Of course, the research of it is also important, but that was the most important thing for me because I just needed to see if I could see myself with them for the next four years because that's so important. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. I think a large part of that that helped that was going to Artsbridge Musical Theater Camp the summer before. Yeah. Right, right, right. My senior year because I got to work with so many people from different colleges and I got to work with them so closely. And I walked out of Artsbridge having a completely different college list than when I walked in because I was like, I didn't really, you know, mesh with this school. So might not be the school for me. And so I would take it off my list or I would say, you know, I really liked this school. Like, this is something that I really love. So I'm going to add this to my list or I'm going to, you know, really consider that a place that I would really love to go to. And so it's, for me, it was meeting people and working with them and interacting with them just because I'm such a people person and I need to, you know, connect and interact. And that was the most valuable part for me. Well, and Artsbridge is unique in their summer program. There are others right. uh, where they bring in professors from multiple different programs. All over the country. It's not uh-huh. just you're at whatever College. program yeah, yeah, yeah. and their staff is exclusively teaching you. Right. And that was crazy. And meeting all those people from all the universities, it gave me like the best of every world because I was allowed to, you know, like certain things and not like certain things, you know, but Artsbridge gave me that kind of charcuterie board <laughs> where I could taste a little bit of everything and see a little bit of everything so I could have that clarity. And also I got to see people and work with people that I was going to audition for. So I walked into every audition basically knowing one of the people behind the table or if not even knowing, seeing again, you know, and some people I would walk in and they would know me and recognize me and remember Mm -hmm. me and they would have a notion of me before I even started. And it like, that was crazy. And of course, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's not going to marginally increase your chances by, you know, meeting these people because I got rejected from schools that I had worked with people. I got accepted at schools that I hadn't worked with people, but it's like, it was just meeting them and seeing them and making connections, which helped me figure out what I wanted. So it went beyond just that short time in the room. Yeah. You had built a relationship with, or you had a rapport Mm -hmm. with the people behind the table at some colleges because you had workshopped with them at a summer intensive. Yeah, or I could write about them in a college essay, like, why do you want to go to this school? And I would say, you know, I sat in at a master class with this person at Artsbridge, and I loved the way that they worked, and I knew that how they worked was a way that I resonated with as well. So I could, you know, put that into every facet. So 
that was one of the most beneficial things of my process. I don't think that it gives you an edge, mm-hmm. but I do think that they get to see your work ethic. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I remember hearing at the parent panel was, you know, we're looking at them and thinking, can we work with them for the next four years? Do yeah. we want to work with them for the next four years? Yeah. Like, I don't know how that can be surmised mm-hmm. in four minutes or five minutes, however long you're in the room. Right. But they probably do see enough people <laughs> yeah. that they get a feel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Andrew was able to size up a couple of schools in four to five minutes, plus the dance, right? So it's going to be more than four okay, to five right. minutes, right? But and he, there were a couple of schools that he got accepted to that... He absolutely knew. He walked out and he said to me, you know, I, I think I left it all in the room. I think it went really well, but that's not the place for me. Mm-hmm. So he he knew in four to five minutes. Yeah. Mm, and there you go. this was something that we had to talk about a lot because I ended up getting into a program where I had a very not great audition day because I just did not like the way that they ran their audition. Mm-hmm. I did not resonate with the people that were there it was just not the place for me and Mm -hmm. I knew it I knew it and he said it to me as soon as he walked in the hotel room. yeah I said it as soon as I walked in but getting into that school she had looked at it from a topical perspective of oh this is a you know great school great program has so many things to offer but I saw it from a personal level where I was like I could not see myself working with these people the next four years like it's just not the place for me it's not somewhere I'm going to be happy And that was something that she had to kind of come to terms with was that it's not just... And they offered you a lot of money. (laughs) It's not... Yeah, it's hard to walk away from. It's it's not just the school. We also get the opportunity to interact with the people. So we're not just getting into universities. We are getting into programs where we have seen and worked with the people that we're going to see and work with the next four years And that either works or it doesn't. And for this particular case, it was just not the place for me. And these programs are intimate, right? Yeah, once you're there. You're talking a freshman class of 16 people. Mm -hmm. That's intimate. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to be working really, really closely. Yeah. So I can appreciate why, you know, you need to make decisions that are going to be right for you from a perspective of of how do you feel about working with these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. For sure. And where are you going? I'm going to Texas State University in the musical theater program. And I could not be more excited, but... um, Caitlin Hopkins, I am a fan. She is my favorite person on the planet. She is so amazing. I don't have enough words to say about that woman. She's just so phenomenal. And and I could not be more excited. And I I have to say, I am blown away by her. I mean, just her whole approach to musical theater education from a psychological perspective. It's amazing. Physiological perspective. It's not just about talent. You have to be the full package. You have to be mentally healthy, physically healthy, and um, and talented, right? And she's from the beginning. And the business aspect, right? Again, you know, being a type A mom, Mm -hmm. you know, he is going to know the business of it. He's going to know how to do his tax returns when he graduates from college. That's yeah. big. Yeah. I can tell you yeah. because Frankie 
is graduated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and even before he graduated, actually, because if you do summer stock right. and you get paid, yeah. you have to... You have to file. Yeah. So, yeah, all of those practical things. I We never saw the school. Neither of my kids auditioned. I only um, know her from sitting in on, like, workshops where she was mm -hmm. giving talks. She's just crazy. And I think everyone should go listen to her TED Talk. It's Teach Mental Health Now, an actor's perspective. Look it up on YouTube. Um, but it's, it's pioneering. Yeah, and it, it, pioneering. it was just, I remember seeing it and being like, I'm not just a number to her. I'm not just a, not just an actor. I'm a human being. And she sees that and she knows that and she wants to not culminate the best performer, but also culminate the best human in me as well. And I just resonate with that so much. And so I just have, you know, there's not enough amazing things to say about her and the Texas State program. I just could not be more lucky. Was their dance call really hard? Um... A lot of people thought it was very hard. But you're I, a dancer. Right, right, right. I did not personally think it was very hard, but they are, it's a very dance-heavy school, so... Which was important, Andrew. Right. They want to see how you pick up choreography and how you do with ballet technique. They want to see how you can interpret music. They want to see how you can bring a character to music. Like, that was something they asked me in my dance call. They asked us all to pick our favorite Disney villain and do our dance call as that villain like they want to see everything that you can do in that dance call it's not just a dance call it's an acting through dance call it's in you know a character through dance call because you know i've never heard of that before yeah like, i've heard of getting an adjustment for a monologue mm -hmm. as you know do it as though yeah um, and they did that too in my room and uh at Unifieds, because I had met them, I did a live pre-screen at Moonifieds, so I had met Caitlin and um, at Moonifieds, so I got to work with her there, and then I saw her again at Unifieds, and at Unifieds, we worked on one of my monologues for 10 minutes, and she was very, you know, personal, and she not only took my monologue to a different place, but allowed me to see it from a different perspective, and it wasn't just this is what I have, take it or leave it. It became, let's work on this holistically and, you know, see if... Holistically. Right, holistically, yeah. And see if she can work with me and we can, you know, work together and make something new. So I love that. And you have to feel so good as a yeah. mom. That type of environment that he's going to be in. Nurtured. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's going to be nurtured in his craft as a human being and as a professional. Can't ask for more. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I can't wait. So, in your decision-making process, being that you couldn't go back and visit mm -hmm. colleges because of COVID, how did you manage your decision? So... Stressful. <laughs> it became... Um, it became a lot more of the personal interaction that I had with people and how much that they showed me after getting accepted, how hard they were willing to work to give me the experience that I did not get by being able to go on campus. It's a good way of putting it. And so Texas State was far and above the best. The minute I got accepted, Caitlin 
put me in a Dropbox with t- like so many videos and so many. She put me in a Dropbox with so many, like with parents. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I felt like I was immediately part of the team. And so I got to take a tour, a virtual tour with, you know, one of the rising juniors. Like I got to see her talking and, you know, talking to us about like everything that we were going through. Like I got to see her walking through the Performing Arts Center and that was the make or break moment. So there were schools that did and worked very hard to interact with accepted students. It was hard students. to say no to them. Right. And it, 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 yeah. The when it came down to it, did you have two that you were finally deciding between? I ended up getting into five programs. Which is way awesome. <laughs> I would venture to say most people don't have five schools. Right, right. Like. And there was the school that I just really didn't, you know, resonate with the, in the room. So that was kind of off the table for me. But she wanted me to look at everything and make sure that I was making an informed decision. So smart. It never. It ended up. I ended up I'm between. I'm to his yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I ended up between two programs, but then because I was actually I was on the Texas State wait list for a long time until April 27th, which was a couple of days before decision day. So that like threw the process that we were kind of doing like into. Like you had to. Right, now I had to put the big, yeah, now I had to add this to the whole thing. But for me, I had always known. It was in the back of his head. I had always known that Texas State was the place that I was supposed to end up. I had always known that it was the place that I was meant to be. So when I got in, I was like, I know, like this is it. But before you got in, you probably had to choose if if you didn't get in there. Right. Where were you, where yeah. you were going. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was something that we had to... And had you made peace with that? I had not made peace with it because <laughs> I was not going... I was... I, I just knew. I, I think for me, and Caitlin and I had talked a lot while I was on the wait list, and she made it clear to me she never made any false promises. She never, you know, blew smoke. She was very straight up with me, and she always kept me in the loop. And so I always knew where I was going to, like where I was in, you know, their minds and in my mind. So I was always holding out hope. So I never was like, oh, I'm going to this school. I'm going to this amazing program. I was always holding out for Texas State because I just knew it was the place that I was supposed to end up. I think it's kind of amazing that you had an ongoing conversation with her during yeah. your wait list. She, because I, I think that may be unusual. Yeah, she emailed me like every couple days and was like, hi, just giving you an update. You know, we have no new news for you, but thank you so much for sticking with us. Like, thank you so much for remaining. Do you have any questions? Um, and so I have... A friend who was also on the Texas State waitlist, she ended up committing to another program, but she emailed Caitlin and she was like, can you help me decide between these two mm. programs if, you know, if Texas State doesn't end up working out? And Caitlin was like, we would love to have you at Texas State, but if not, this is my, this is what I think about these programs. This is what... How great. Right. And so she became a resource and she became a person that I could, you know, bounce ideas off of and talk to and say thank you so much for keeping me updated you know it's so nice to have a little bit a little sense of clarity 
Um, now, there's another side to that because, you know, Andrew's dad and I were a little bit concerned that he was being dangled at the end of a hook. So during the waitlist process, we didn't know Caitlin, we didn't know her heart, and, you know, it felt like, you know, he's being strung along. And we didn't like that because that was emotionally challenging, right? Because you were like, what if this Because doesn't? we're doing mm-hmm. a decision tree, you know, because I got type A. We're doing a decision <laughs> tree and saying, you know, here are the pros and cons of each of these programs. And I'm sitting in the corner like, and I'm waiting for Texas State. Sorry. Doing, Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. I'll do this after I hear from Texas State. We're like, but it's in two days, you know. But it, it, because I knew... Texas State was going to be a very big influence no matter what. If I got in, I knew it was going to influence my decision a lot. If I did not get in, I knew it was going to influence my decision a lot. Um, But that was because I just loved the school so much. And I, you know, I was so close I could taste it. And I was like, you know, I'm not giving up until I know for sure either way. If you, this is just hypothetical, obviously. But if you hadn't gotten in in the end, Mm -hmm. would you have considered a gap year to audition there again? I, well, at the end of the day, I don't think so because I had amazing, I was, yeah, I was very lucky to have other schools that I got into that I really liked. Um, I just always, and it sounds so weird, but I just always had a feeling Mm -hmm. and I just always knew. Um, so I never... I never considered a gap year because I was never going to allow myself get into that mindset until I knew for sure. So until Caitlin emailed me that rejection letter, I was not going to be like, well, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'm waiting until, you know, she either calls me or sends me a rejection letter until I make a decision because it was just such an influential school to me. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. We're back. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap up. I think a good note to wrap up on, especially because Texas State is such a leader in the mental health yeah. and wellness space. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that as it appeals to you mm-hmm. going in as a student, but also looking back on your process? Yeah. Um, well, the mental game is the biggest part of the process. And like I kind of said before, towards, you know, March and April, that was where I felt like I was at my lowest in the process because you start to let all those extraneous voices in your head, you know, get in and you're doubting yourself and you're doubting your work and what you put out. That was where that I was like, Ugh, this frustrates me so much. And the process can be so frustrating, but that was where I felt the most frustrated because I knew I had done everything I needed to do. I knew I had put in all the work. Mm-hmm. But then I still got to a point where I was like, what if it wasn't enough? So that's the kind of thing where it's like the waiting part is such a hurdle to get over because... You the word agony. Agonizing. Yeah, yeah it's agonizing. <laughs> we were it's, not on mic yet. It's <laughs> agonizing because, I mean... At its core, what you're doing by auditioning is you're asking for validation from people. And so once you start getting in that agonizing place, you start wanting the validation. You start wanting them to accept you. And then 
you get into like this conglomeration of just like self doubt and worry. And so the biggest thing that I would like to say to people is to always just keep yourself in check and, you know, always make sure that you are breathing and you're repeating your mantras to yourself because yeah, and, it's on a practical level. How did you do that? I, I ended up, you know, I started, I downloaded headspace on my phone, which is a meditation guiding app. And it was just something that allowed me to breathe in good energy and breathe out bad energy because it's so riddled with self-worry and self-doubt. And I just had to dig myself out of that place and remind myself that I'm good enough no matter what. And I am going to end up at a place that is going to be for me no matter what. And I put my best foot forward no matter what. And no one can take that away from me. That's kind of how I got out of that. It's just such a hurdle. I just, and I've talked to a bunch of people about that who are going through the process that never forget who you are and never forget how much you're worth and remind yourself time and time again that you are not a representation of what other people think of you. You're not a representation of an acceptance from a college or a rejection from a college. You are a representation of yourself and you are a representation of how you choose to let sadness and worry affect you. And so that's how I went about it. And I told myself time and time again, if it's not for them, it's not for them. I can't worry about the decision they're going to make. It's not my decision to make. At the end of the day, they're going to make a decision and I am going to have to come to terms with that. And it's not a representation of me. It's a representation of them and how they want to fill their class and how they want to, who they want to work with. And that's not a caveat to me, you know, like I'm no worse for not getting into a college. I'm no better for getting into a college. I am a person who will be fine either way. It doesn't come down to an assessment of your mm -mm. talent. It comes down no. to what they need for their incoming class yeah. in terms of voice parts and mm -hmm. types. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are so many variables. Yeah. The agony of Andrew's experience, I think, was amplified by COVID. Because remember, in March and April, he also was realizing his senior year end. And I was also sitting at home. We're ending. Thinking. So I had all that time to think. <laughs> so it was way too much time so, to think. Yeah, yeah, had yeah. he been in the you know spring musical and competition season was happening yeah right i mean getting your senior solo right yeah right, right, right. and so it, all of those i things. did so there was a, a lot a lot of loss so it was definitely amplified for me but i know that this process it's is not a, a strange yeah this process <laughs> is not a stranger to having hardships mentally and so no matter what no matter how the audition season works out you just always have to keep yourself in check and yep. always have to you know, remember to love yourself and embrace yourself and accept yourself. And it's not a straight line, no matter what. And I can be the first one to attest to that. It's never going to be a straight line. But you and, have to have those tools. Yeah. And you will find, be you will be in places where you're upset and emotional and angry and sad and doubtful and regretful. But you have to know your self-worth and you have to know 
how much better you are than the agony you're facing. And we're also a family who believes that you wind up where you are supposed to be. And Andrew said that a few times today. And I did not believe it a single time when she said it before I got into the place where I knew I was meant to be. But. And, and, and sometimes you think you want something and it is denied to you. Yeah. And it winds up being the best thing that could have happened yeah. to you. I, and we have all now in our family experienced that in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And you just have to trust. I Trust the process. Yeah, you have to trust the process. And I had resolved myself to the University of Michigan and I had convinced myself that it was my dream school and I got rejected and it was so hard. Devastating. But then you realize that sometimes you didn't want to get into the program necessarily. You wanted to say to yourself that you got in the program, you know, and you wanted to have that validation for yourself. So the top 10 lists and the, you know, these are the best colleges for musical theater. All that stuff needs to be thrown out the window because you will end up at the place no matter what. And there's places across the country and we're all just finding ways that'll get us to a professional career. And you will find that at any college that you apply to. And it does not need to be in a top 10 list. It does not need to be, you know, uh, it needs to be the place that's going to allow you to be your best performer. That's who's going to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. To reach your potential. And I think prepare you well. Yeah. It is not an easy world out there, I can tell you, from Frankie, who, you know, talented, had a great college experience, Mm -hmm. ready, so ready, Mm -hmm. when he graduated. Yeah, it's difficult. And that emotional thing that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. you'll be seeing that again. Right. Right. (laughs) And again. To have that foundation of how to deal and, and... Center yourself. And I'll be ready to deal with it the next time it comes because I've, I've allowed myself to get through it. And you already have Headspace on your phone. And I already have Headspace <laughs> on my phone. And I can choose the 10-minute option whenever I feel stressed. Woo-hoo. <laughs> okay, last note. So I think you, Andrew, closed on the mental health and wellness and believing in yourself. And th- that's beautiful. And I think that that needs to be a priority. Yeah. Laura, what would you want to close on for this niche audience that is listening. (laughs) Once um, Andrew's dad and I were fully on board that this is what he wanted and this is where he was going in life, it has been such a fun journey. And it's not one that we didn't test him at every step to make sure he was making the best possible decisions for himself. So we always had communication, but we have had so much fun through this process. And I think the most important thing that I was told by moms who had gone through this before was let your student tell you what they need and want to tell you. Don't ask a lot of questions because they're in their head and they've got so much they're worrying about. And let them share and you just be that that soft place for them to land. I love that. Okay. Aww. Aww, you're a big softie. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, you guys. Of Thank course. you. Thank you. All so right. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. So, again, it is November 2nd of 2020. We are still in the midst of COVID. 
kids who are currently enrolled in programs are not in person. Um, stand by for a little update from Andrew on how that is going for him as a new freshman at Texas State. I think you'll appreciate what he has to share. Yes, okay, so this is my update. I am currently two months into my first semester at Texas State as a musical theater major, and I am having the time of my life. Um, I'm living at home in Michigan just because the um, Texas was not doing well with the coronavirus in August, still is not doing great with the coronavirus. So the program decided that it would be much safer if all the freshman musical theater majors stayed at home just because of dorms and communal bathrooms did not seem like the way to go. Um, even though I'm at home, I'm <laughs> I'm learning so much and it's crazy to think about all that I've learned, but the faculty is so kind and so knowledgeable and is honestly, it's unreal how much I'm learning and how at home I feel in this program. I have been a part of a couple different projects. Um, in November, you'll be able to watch me and a bunch of my musical theater classmates in a project called They Scream in Silence as the Horizon Leans Forward. It is a dance project choreographed by a freelance choreographer, Christian Warner, and it's all reflective of the current world that we live in, all through dance. It'll be streaming in the middle of November, I believe. Um, you can check all of the Texas State social medias to find out more specifics. I am just truly having the time of my life. I can't even put into words how amazing it has been, even from home. I feel like I've learned more in two months than I have the rest of my life. And I am so excited for this journey to keep going. Every expectation I had of Texas State was exceeded 200 fold. It's just such an amazing place to learn and grow and to be a human and to learn about yourself and learn about your craft and not just become the best performer you can be, but become the best person you can be. And I am so grateful and I'm so glad to have found my home. So that is my update. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys later. Oh my goodness, as usual, so much here in these conversations. I just love it. I love, love how it ended with Laura saying just being a soft place for your kids to land in this process and how important that is. I just thought, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, again, the importance of communication came up so many times. I love how Laura said, ultimately, it's about confidence walking into the room and how that played into their decision on coaching. I love how Andrew said, this is not a linear process. This is so, so true. It's actually a long and winding road. <laughs> I liked that he touched on how he arrived at canceling an audition and that information around that. And kind of getting to the place where that's okay to let that go. I thought that that was something that would be valuable to you guys. I think both of my kids did something like that. I also really liked how the sub-processes of this overall process came up. 
one was the waiting process and one was the waitlist process. Andrew said on the waiting process how it's supposed to be the easy part and if you've listened to these episodes you will um, have definitely picked up by now that it ends up being not the easy part. And it's just good to know the challenges of that looking forward as you go into this journey with your child. He touched on Arts Bridge. It's a summer program and I love how he referenced it as a charcuterie board, being able to kind of sample the different schools because of the group of teachers that they bring in. Andrew really focused on making his connections and Laura mentioned about making decisions from a perspective of how you feel about those connections and your experiences with the schools and the audition room. I love that. Lots of praises to Caitlin Hopkins and the Texas State Program from both Laura and Andrew. It sounds like they're really doing it right for these kids, given the circumstances. Um, So let that be just, you know, information for you to have as you see these different schools and how they interact with your child and the kind of experience they're trying to give them in the current climate of COVID and the limitations of it. Again, um, the mental game being the biggest part of this process. So, so key. Um, I liked how they shared about their experience of being on the wait list at Texas State. That's something that is part of this process and how you handle it is kind of a delicate thing, but it sounds like they just went head on and that Caitlin was super receptive to that. So that's awesome. And again, please like, follow, comment, um, give feedback, any and all of those would be very much appreciated. Thinking of you all, God bless our world as voting is tomorrow. And I just pray that we can all just do our best to be at peace with each other and be kind above all else. All right. Great being with you. I'm not sure when I'll be back with another podcast, um, but I will be. So, uh, like I said, follow me and then you'll get notification that I actually have done that. Okay. Be well.